The Phil Nason Show, around the world and coast to coast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Phil Nason Show. Hey everybody, welcome to The Phil Nason Show. I am so happy to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes. We're going to talk a little NFL football today. And we're going to obviously talk about the NBA Finals. Are you enjoying that? But first up, are you taking advantage of our Bovada free play of the day? I can't believe it if you aren't. We are on a five-game Major League Baseball winning streak. We were 20-8 and eight in NBA hoops from the time we began all this. We're banging the book. Why aren't you taking advantage of that? We are banging the book, hitting the window with both hands, and cash in every single night. If you only play the Bovada free play of the day, you are in the black, you are winning money, and that's a good thing. And if you'd like to win more, contact me through my website, philnasonshow.com. Contact me through flashspeaks.wordpress.com. Find me on Twitter at FlashTennis31, and I will tailor-make a premium subscription package just for you. That's the kind of guy I am. And if you are playing, why aren't you playing at Bovada? Great sign-up bonuses for people who are listeners to The Phil Nason Show and to Flash Speaks. You can find those links in the Bovada image at philnasonshow.com and at flashspeaks.wordpress.com. I must say, I've been talking a lot on my other show, Flash Speaks, about all this kneeling business. And I I agree with the players, really. If they want to kneel, let them kneel. It's peaceful. It doesn't matter so much to me. Let them do it. Why not? Let them do it. As long as they don't detract from the actual game. I don't give a crap what they do. You know, at the beginning of this, I felt like this was a legitimate concern that Colin Kaepernick expressed and others joined his bandwagon in protesting police abuse on people of color, young people especially. That's a serious problem in our country. And I stand behind that. You know, and then it kind of died away, which we thought it might. And then it was rejuvenated after a tweet from President Donald Trump. And now you got hordes of folks doing it, or had hordes of folks doing it. This past summer, the NFL has decided that you can't do that anymore, at least not on the sidelines, not during the national anthem. The NFL makes this rule. Hey, you got to play by it. If not, you're going to pay. That's kind of how it works. If you don't want to obey the rules, you have to pay. And we'll see how many people decide not to obey the rules. Some teams have decided to pay the fines for the players. I think that's great. That's their prerogative. Others aren't so happy about doing so, and that'll be up to the players. And we'll see how many kneel, how many are willing to put their money where their mouth is. That's how we know when you're serious. And a lot of people viewed that as a victory for Donald Trump. Donald Trump has probably not been a big fan of the NFL for a long, long time. Don't forget his USFL days. 
when he owned a team. Let's not forget that. He sued the NFL and got a whopping, I think it was $3.67. It was his bright idea to have the USFL play in the fall and the winter to directly compete with the NFL. That didn't fly so good. The USFL is sunk. Donald Trump, a lot of people believe Donald Trump sunk the USFL. Maybe he did. But now he's sticking his nose in again. And again, a lot of people say the NFL owners were trying to appease Donald Trump. Well, a lot of them weren't happy. Donald Trump still isn't happy. And now he's decided to take it out on the Philadelphia Eagles. Tradition has it that when you win a championship on a major sporting event, you are invited to the White House. They were supposed to be there June 5th. That was today. Guess what? Donald Trump has canceled the event. This is what he had to say. The Philadelphia Eagles are unable to come to the White House with their full team to be celebrated tomorrow. They disagree with their president because he insists that they proudly stand for the national anthem, hand on heart, in honor of the great men and women of our military and the people of our country. The statement continued to say the Eagles wanted to send a smaller delegation, but the 1,000 fans planning to attend the event deserve better. These fans are still invited to the White House to be part of a different type of ceremony, one that will honor our great country, pay tribute to the heroes who fight to protect it, and loudly and proudly play the national anthem. I will be there at 3 p.m. with the United States Marine Band and the United States Army Chorus to celebrate America. Man. You know, when is the last time, even before all this kneeling, everyone had their hands on their hearts? In any sporting event? Very rarely. You know, in basketball, they don't do it. In baseball, they used to do it to some degree, but now there's so many people who aren't even citizens in the United States that why would they do that? Football, they never did. In fact, in football prior, I believe it was 2008, 2009, whichever it was, the players were never even on the field during the national anthem. So what gives here? What is the real deal? This is Donald Trump's assault on the NFL, and now he's winning 2-0. to zero. You know, I don't care what delegation. Some of these people wanted to be there. You know, it's an honor to be invited to the White House. It's an honor to present the president with the jersey, Trump number one, Obama number one, whoever. It's an honor for them. It's something that they look forward to, some of these guys. To be denied that because Donald Trump is being petty kind of tells us more about Donald Trump than it does about the folks who are kneeling. Now, the Eagles issued the following statement. It has been incredibly thrilling to celebrate our first Super Bowl championship. Watching the entire Eagles community come together has been an inspiration. We are truly grateful for all those who support, or I'm sorry, we are truly grateful for all of the support we have received, and we are looking forward to continuing our preparations for the 2018 season. There you go. You know what? The Eagles did a solid. The owner, Jeffrey Lurie, he decided to let the players choose. 
they decided to let the uh, players pick and choose if they wanted to go at all. Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP quarterback, decided he was one of them that wanted to attend. And he's not allowed to now. That's not a good thing. That's just patty and vindictive by our president. My God, what is with this guy? You know, there are times when I think he's doing a great job, and then there are these times which show who he really is. Why does a whole team have to be there during their offseason? Is it demand? Does he want to be praised? Does he want the entire team? It has to be a big group or none at all? The Super Bowl MVP is there. I bet you Donald Trump couldn't name five players on the Philadelphia Eagles. Or, for that matter, most of his staff couldn't do it. So what gives? And why disappoint a thousand people who said they'd be there, who made plans to be there? Now they get to watch him salute the flag? Come on, that's not even legit, man. I got to tell you, that's about as legit as folks who are boycotting the NFL because folks aren't standing for the national anthem. That's ridiculous. They're boycotting the NFL because they don't like the NFL. Or they lost money playing at sites like Bovada because they didn't take advantage of me making their picks for them. Or they're angry because they lost money at Daily Fantasy Sports. Again, they didn't consult us. They would have won, had they? Or they just don't like football. But to blame it on a bunch of guys who are trying to do the right thing, in fact, most of those guys are kneeling in response to the president in his crap in the first place. That's just all ridiculous. You know what? If you don't want to boycott the NFL, boycott it. However, I will be watching every single game like I always do, just like I watch every basketball game, or damn near everyone. Watch these final games. These two games have been interesting. I must say, interesting. Folks blaming J.R. Smith for losing game one. Cleveland should have won that game. I thought it was in the bag. I thought when you had George Hill up there on the line after he sunk that first one, that he was going to be money in the second one. Veteran. First chance to win a championship. Game on the line. Back in his days, in the playground or in his backyard, in the driveway, wherever, pretending to hit that shot that matters, that line, that free throw at the line with no time left. Okay, there was four seconds, but you get my point, right? And then he led with his elbow and bricked the shot. An 82% free throw shooter on the road bricked the shot that could have sent Cleveland a 1-0 lead. Instead, J.R. Smith rebounds the miss over Kevin Durant. It was a fantastic rebound. It was a great rebound. It was something I couldn't believe when I saw it. And then he dribbled the ball out because he thought the Cavaliers were up by one. Instead, it ended up in overtime. Miscommunication has been a part of the Cavaliers all season long. Why are you surprised? J.R. Smith does boneheaded things every single game. Why are you surprised? You shouldn't be. If you watch basketball, you know these things. 
You know J.R. Smith is a knucklehead. But he's not the reason the Cavaliers lost that basketball game. He's not the reason at all. Granted, that was unfortunate. But that's not why they lost. Come on, that's lazy. That's just lazy. And unfortunately, getting outscored 17-7 to had something to do with that. Getting destroyed in that fifth quarter, that overtime, was what killed you, Cavaliers fans. It wasn't J.R. Smith. It's a pity that he got stuck in this. It's a pity that it's his fault because it isn't. You know, you got all kinds of things you can blame the Cavaliers for. They played really well, though. In that basketball game, they committed 11 turnovers. LeBron James played 48 minutes and had just five turnovers. 51 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. One block in his steal. Three for seven from beyond the arc. 10 for 11 from the line. Bad luck. Kevin Love had a double-double, 21 and 13. J.R. Smith played really awful the entire game. He was the only starter, minus 22. Everyone else was 13 or under. Tristan Thompson played halfway decent, I guess. No, it wasn't his fault. Come on. You know these stupid rotations of Tyron Lou. I talked about them in the preview. I told you he was a terrible coach. I told you his stuff doesn't make sense. Jordan Clarkson played more minutes than Kyle Korver did. Kyle Korver's their third leading scorer in the playoffs. How is that possible? And yet, you talk about the fact that you watch the Cleveland Cavaliers play basketball. Come on, really? Really? This is a team that hasn't done anything all year, really. They've done nothing spectacular, really. 50-32, and 32, that was Herculean, considering their team isn't very good, considering their team has no coach. Awful. They're lucky to be in the finals, to be honest with you. In this postseason, Kyle Korver is the third leading scorer. And yet he only plays 16 minutes. Jordan Clarkson hardly plays at all. And he played more minutes. That's on Tyron Lue. And by the way, who was the one that was supposed to make sure everyone knew what was happening in that last 10 seconds of that ball game? Where was the captain on the floor telling everybody, hey, it's tie game. Hey, we're down by one. Who's supposed to do that? How come J.R. Smith didn't know there were there was still a timeout left? And like he said, you know, eh, why didn't I just sit there with the ball? He didn't know the score. He admitted to it after he told everyone he didn't know he knew the score. Come on. Whose job is to make sure these guys know these things? And more importantly, what what in heaven's name is J.R. Smith doing on the floor in the last 10 seconds of a game? You put your smartest people out on the floor, guys who know how to handle the ball. 
Guys who know how to take care of business. Guys who actually pay attention. That's Kyle Korver. And then again, what happened in overtime? They got shell-shocked. And you know what? They carried it over to game two. And then we want to talk about this call that was missed or over or reversed. That was a block. LeBron James' left foot was still sliding when contact was made. That's a block every single moment of every single game. That's a pity that it had to come down to this. Cavs fans think that the Warriors have gotten all the calls. Let's see, game one. Total free throws, 22 for the Cleveland Cavaliers and 20 for the Golden State Warriors. Total fouls, 18 for the Warriors and 18 for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Come on now. Where in the world are you getting your, the referees are wearing Golden State uniforms? Where does that come from? Everything was pretty much even. Sure, there are always calls that you see that might or could or maybe should go the other way. But these games have been rough like this the entire season. Where the hell have you been? This is how it is with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Where have you been? And let's not forget how well Golden State plays. What about Steph Curry? You got to remember something. This is a basketball team that's actually pretty good. They have three legit Hall of Fame scorers in Kevin Durant, in Steph Curry, in Klay Thompson. You want to beat the Golden State Warriors, you better go out there and beat them. You have to contain them. Curry and Thompson were 10 for 21 from beyond the arc in game one combined. Kevin Durant had a game where he was one for seven from three, eight for 22 from the field, and the Golden State Warriors still won by 10 points. How did the referees give them all that? I would say the Cleveland Cavaliers are lucky that the game wasn't more out of hand than it was. And, and thanks to LeBron James, it wasn't. Thanks to the Cleveland Cavaliers trying to play a little bit of defense, it wasn't. They took advantage of Kevin Looney, and that was a good thing. They need to do more of those things. They need to do more of taking advantage of weak spots. Looney is their weak link, and you know what? That's why JaVale McGee started game two. You see that? That's what I'm talking about when I talk about Tyron Lue the way that I do. The Golden State Warriors won by 10 and still made an adjustment. It wasn't working with Looney on the floor. So he decided to go with JaVale McGee, that he being, they being, Steve Kerr. And they beat them by 19 in regulation. They clobbered them in the fourth quarter. A lot of that had to do with Steph Curry. Steph Curry had 16 points in the fourth quarter. 16 points in the fourth quarter. And why? Because he got pissed off. And why? Because at the buzzer to end the third quarter, 
Steph Curry launched a three, fell backwards, and Kendrick Perkins, who's sitting on the bench, who's on their team for what I don't even know why, in street clothes, refused to get out of the way. Left his big leg staying out there, and Steph Curry could have gotten hurt. Now, I think it's kind of strange that the Warriors are crying about that, considering what happened to Kawhi Leonard with Zaza Pakulia. But that's neither here nor there. Bush League is Bush League, and that's what that was. Kendrick Perkins knows what he's doing. He's been in the league a long time. Okay, maybe he was out of the league for a couple seasons, but he knows the score. He knows what he was doing. He could have got up and caught the guy. Wouldn't have mattered to the game itself, but that's not what he was going to do, was it? He wanted to make sure to he couldn't play, so he had to go do his thug stuff, which he's very well known for. It's too bad, though. Otherwise, that was an interesting game, too. But again, you see the difference between a quality coach and one who isn't. Quality coaches make adjustments. Coaches like Tyron Lue just sit on the sidelines with a bedazzled look in their face and don't coach. Overwhelmed is what Tyron Lue has been since the day he got there. And he's still there. Overwhelmed. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Nothing ever will change as long as he's the coach. And, and game two, you know, it kind of told us a lot. Rodney Hood didn't even play in game one. I really wish, and I'm sure folks will disagree with me, but I really wish that when Tyron Lue had some health issues and he told us that he needed to step away from the Cleveland Cavaliers and Larry Drew took over, I wish Larry Drew would have remained the head coach until the end of the playoffs. For Tyron Lue's health, for our health who have to watch this shit, and of course for the Cleveland Cavaliers. They were good then. They made adjustments then. Jetty Osmond got to play a little bit, and he did well. Rodney Hood played and did well. Now he barely plays. He's played four minutes in this NBA final. Jordan Clarkson was a lot more consistent because he knew his role, and he knew when he was going into the game. With Tyron Lue, you never know. It's like, you know what it's like? He's got this hat next to him, and he draws names out of it blindly. Oh, let's play him today. Let's sit Kyle Korver. I know he's our third leading scorer, but let's blame it on the matchup. Get out of here. That's ridiculous. And Golden State sits back and just hammers you. And that's what happened in game two. They got massacred in game two. They made adjustments in game two. They took care of business in game two. Do you notice what they did? couple of things. As I already said, they started JaVale McGee. The second thing they did, if you noticed was come after LeBron James more. Double and triple teams. That's what they did. That was nice to see. From a coaching standpoint, LeBron James didn't have the night that he had before. He didn't get the opportunities to shoot, well, the wide-open opportunities, I should say, to shoot like he did in game one. Instead, he had to be a facilitator, and he was. 13 assists is nothing to joke about. Nothing to sneeze at. LeBron James was the best player on the planet. A few years back, he wouldn't have been that way. He would have forced the issue. This is one of those nights when he really needed someone to step up. George Hill stepped up in the first half. Tristan Thompson was okay. 
J.R. Smith sucked. He took the game one where he took all that abuse, rolled into game two and just stunk. He was two of nine from the floor, one of four from beyond the arc. Terrible night. Again, where in the hell was Kyle Korver? Okay, he played one more minute, but he didn't get any shots. He had, it was 0 for 1. He got one shot. One shot from beyond the arc. You got to find a way to spring him, get him some shots. You see, but Golden State is good. I've said this before. You folks talk about Golden State like they're trash. They aren't the only team that made it to four straight NBA Finals. They've got a couple of MVPs on that team. One unanimous. They've got three, maybe four Hall of Famers, maybe five if you count Steve Kerr. And they're missing Andre Iguodala, a guy they usually need. They handled the Cavaliers like it was nothing. They made the Cavaliers in the second half look like scrubs. They made the Cleveland Cavaliers look like it was their very first NBA final, and I guess in some cases it was. Things are not looking good for the Cavs. Cleveland Cavaliers fans are making excuses, blaming referees. You need to blame your coach. That's where it starts. He's awful. And now they have game three on Wednesday night in Cleveland. Home cooking usually works out for average players. And that's what the Cavaliers are loaded with. Outside of LeBron James, they are just an average team. Okay, Kevin Love is above average. But the rest of those guys, average players. Good to better, or very good. That's where they usually excel is at home. We saw that in the Boston series, didn't we? We saw that two seasons ago when the Cleveland Cavaliers... We're down 2-0, and then they lost the game at home. It became 3-1, and it came back and won the whole thing. The difference is they had Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Who's going to be the Kyrie Irving of this team? Is it going to be George Hill? I'd love for it to be. He's one of my favorite players. He plays defense, but there's not much you can do when Steph Curry's going wild on you. Steph Curry's the real deal. I don't care what you say about him. He's the real deal. You have to sit back and go, wow, because that kid can play. Klay Thompson, he he limped out of the Oracle Center on game one, after game one. Didn't look so hurt, did he, in game two? What's that going to be like in game three? Look for their guards to score, because that's who's beaten the Cavaliers every single game they've lost this season. Guards. Threes. Threes usually beat them. Kevin Durant, he had a tough time in game one. He had a much better time in game two. He basically could do whatever he wanted. Look for that to continue in game three. Those guys aren't average players. They play well on the road and at home. Their guys can go. Look for them to continue. It's up to the Cavaliers' role players and their average players to really step it up. If they lose game three, it's over. And you know what else I'm getting tired of is hearing all this talk about what LeBron James is going to do. Let's worry about what he does during this series. 
he has given us zero indication that he's going to leave. Of course, you could say the same thing about him in Miami and in his previous stay in Cleveland. That's because he doesn't tell nobody. So anybody who claims that they know probably doesn't. Let's just enjoy this for what it is. LeBron James in his eighth consecutive NBA final, the one-man show, and let's figure out who's going to step up and help him. I think it's going to be Kevin Love. I think it should be Kyle Korver, but he probably won't see the floor much. Again, I hope it's George Hill. They have to find a way to get these, spring these guys for some threes. These are both three-point shooting teams, and Cleveland has been terrible from beyond the arc. Again, shooters are better at home usually. Average shooters, good to average shoot, average to good shooters, I should say. They are not uh, as good on the road, but they're at home. Spring them, get them some shots, and we'll see what happens. Should be interesting, though. Should be very interesting. All right, you know what? That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Phil Nason Show. This is going to be the last show for the next two weeks. I'm off to Maine to do some tennis for eight weeks. I'm going to broadcast from there. We'll talk about the draft. We'll talk about free agency as it comes up. I'll still be doing my Bovada free play of the day, though. You can bet on that. Believe that. I'm still going to do that. And I'll be doing Flash Speaks, so get on over there and check it out. Flashspeaks.wordpress.com. Get that Bovada free play of the day. Make some cash with a flash. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves. Be good. And most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.